people, good morning. I am uh, Reverend Nicole Riley. I'm a life coach for clergy and a social media manager. <laughs> and I uh, was your lead in teaching pastor from 2018 until last Thursday. So welcome to worship, whether you're joining us in person or you are online with us today. We are finishing up our series called The Most Important Things. And this is a series about transition. We all go through them. We go through them in our personal life, in our professional life, and we also go through them in the church. So you may have had a transition in the last year. You may have had a new job or retirement, a new baby, a new house. It's part and parcel of life, these transitions. But a lot of times we don't actually think about how we might do them how we might navigate these huge changes in a way that's uh, life-giving. And so we have been looking at Jesus' teachings around this. We have been looking at what Jesus has to say about how to live in this in-between time and what are the things that are most important for us to hold on to. And so let me review a little of what we've talked about already. So we started by talking about love. And we said that love is the most important of the most important things. So if we get nothing else from the series, that is the key for us. And what that means is that love is what calls us not to sit on the sidelines, not to wait and see, but to be all in. We decide that we are people of love, and people of love get in the midst of it. Don't wait, but engage. People who love also forgive. They forgive when things go awry, when there are uh, mistakes that are made. Uh, you know, it, it happens, right? I, I think of in my own life, my biggest transition uh, before this one was when my son got married, right? And then that's a whole new group of, tr of traditions, right? So I'm like working really hard, like, Okay, we can do this. Okay, we can't do that. I'm trying to be flexible because it's rooted in love, right? That's what's so important. And so love is the first thing. Then the second thing we talked about was vision. God has a vision for our lives. God has a vision for us as a church. And the week we talked about vision, we talked about what that looks like, what that means. You know, we have a direction God has called us, and we are leading in that direction, you know, we are hashtag here for good. That's what we're known for. We're a church that's engaged in the community, and we're a church that's making a difference in the lives of people locally and beyond Santa Clarita Valley. And so vision is what helps us in the midst of transition because we remember who we are. Uh, one of the reasons transition's so hard is because we kind of lose our footing and we're not quite sure. Uh, we can't see the future as clearly. But we are called to lean into God's vision for us. And when we do that, that gives us a sense of peace and a sense of grounding. So the second thing we talked about was vision. And then the third thing we talked about last week was uh, transformation. Now, this one's a little harder because a lot of times we are transformed in our lives. We are changed in our lives through challenges, through difficulties. We talked about it last week as pruning right? Pruning is never fun. No one enjoys pruning. We talked about no book will be written called the 40 days of pruning. No one's going to buy that book. 
Pruning, though, is often how God grows us. God cuts away what isn't working and then trims what is so that it might flourish and grow even more. So let's now look at the fourth and the last of the most important things. We're going to talk about discipleship today, and we're going to do so by looking at a text from John's Gospel, chapter 21. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said it to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. After this, he said to him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So our first three texts in our series happened before Jesus' death and resurrection. This text today happens after. And in this text, Jesus appears to the disciples as they were fishing. I want to focus on the very last part of our text today. I just wanted to read the whole thing because it's just one of my favorite texts, and it paints just such a beautiful image of what's going on. But I want to focus on the last part of the text where we run into Peter. Now, probably if you know anything about the disciple Peter, what you know about him is he's the one who denied Jesus three times, right? He has that very sad reputation. That's what we know about Peter. But here's the part where all that gets redeemed. Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? And as Peter had denied Jesus three times, now he gets to even the score by proclaiming his love three times. And then Jesus says to him, okay then, follow me. Peter has been forgiven, and he's been given a mission. 
and Peter and all the disciples would now be living the rest of their lives as disciples following Jesus and seeking to invite others to do the same. They would spend the rest of their lives doing this, and this was not an easy job. There would be trials and challenges and real difficulties. We know from what happens next as the church is birthed that there were real difficulties, including the disciples being jailed and even losing their lives. Their whole world changed because they were disciples. We are called to the same as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Now this week I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about how often we don't lean into being disciples. It's just human nature. It's just a normal part of shying away from the demands that God has on all of our lives. We struggle to live into that. And I was thinking how too often what we live into instead is a really faint version of discipleship. And I think it looks something like being a consumer. Now, here's what I mean by that. You know, when we come to church, a lot of times if we come as adults, we, we church shop. Did any of you church shop before you ended up here? Oh, they're even going to raise hands. Yes, right? Yeah. We church shop. And what are we looking for? We're looking at the pastors and the staff and the music, and we're looking at the Sunday school program. We're looking at the youth group. There's nothing wrong with that. But our response is not to just consume that. Instead, we're to let those things be tools that lead us into lives of being disciples. So this is where I want to start. I want to start with talking about the difference between being a consumer and being one of Jesus' disciples. A consumer is someone who takes in the things of the faith for their personal benefit, and it kind of stops there. You know, we come because we need some wisdom, we need some insight, we need some teaching on how to live our lives. We need some comfort, we need some hope. We need a world that is understandable even in the midst of how difficult living is. And so we come to receive, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is normal and natural, but it's not enough because it ends with us. It ends with our needs and what we want satisfied. In the scriptures, there's a pattern, and it starts with people receiving, or as we might say, being consumers, but it doesn't end there. If you look at the scriptures, you see that Jesus teaches the people and he heals the people and he restores the people. And then he says, follow me. We're all going to need inspiration. We're all going to need hope. We're all going to need a life filled with promise. And God meets us in our need. God meets us as things are, as we are, and loves us and cares for us. But it's not to end there. If it does, we're consumers. 
and we've just taken in what God has for us, what the church has for us. Um, God is not a dispenser of religious goods and services. God is actually the one who loves us and invites us to follow him. We are called to more. We are called to be disciples. Now, I know that honestly, most of us start our journey of faith as consumers because there's something going on in our life, especially if we come to the church as adults, there's something going on in our life that we are looking for help with. But the second piece, this moving into discipleship, is what Jesus wants for all of us and what he wants for all of our churches. This is why discipleship is the fourth of the most important things, because it calls us to move from only receiving what God has for us into a mode of being responsible and living and giving as disciples. So here's the first thing I want you to see as we talk today. I want you to see that we all are both disciples and consumers, but I want you to think about your own journey of faith and where you're at right now and give yourself a little measurement of where you're at. You know, are you 50-50 consumer disciple? Or are you 10% consumer, 90% disciple? I want you to think about where you are at today. And I want you to do that because it is so very important. Now, how do you know you're a consumer? Well, you kind of live into that old Janet Jackson song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? Okay. So, if you are a consumer in the faith, what you think of with your church or with your God or with the scriptures is, I don't know, because what have you done for me lately? We are called past that, although we will all start there. So that's the first thing I want you to think about today. Where are you at with this? Where are you at? And we'll circle back to that at the end. And then the second thing I want you to think about is, what does it actually mean to be a disciple? What does our life look like if we're living as a disciple? Because a lot of times people will just be like, discipleship, I'm not really sure. I go to church, am I a disciple? Well, let's look at that. Let's look at what it actually means to be a disciple, to live a life of a disciple. It is actually fairly clear, and it's not easy, but it's not complicated either. So here are the things. This is what a disciple is. A disciple lives a life of worship. A disciple lives a life of hospitality. A disciple lives a life of opening to Jesus. A disciple lives a life of following Jesus. And a disciple lives a life of service and generosity. Now, if these sound slightly familiar to you, it may be because 18 months ago, in the midst of COVID, we focused on these things and talked about what it means to be a disciple. And so I want to do, what I want to do is I want to look at these again, but from the viewpoint of how do we do this in the midst of transition, Okay. And so let's start with worship. A disciple is called to live a life of worship. Worship is key for disciples because it connects us to one another and it connects us to God. Worship is 
not optional for someone who is seeking to live as a disciple. Now, I want to say this real clear because it's my last Sunday and I can say whatever I like. Also, <laughs> also because I know it is easy to fall away from worship in the midst of change. I know that there's all kinds of reasons why church isn't a priority, either in person or online. And I'm not talking about vacation. I'm talking about like you just decide to sleep in. You just decide you need to go grocery shopping. You know, I'm not saying those things aren't important. Sleep in, go ahead, but do it after church. That's what I do. I get up at 5 a.m. and get everything together and come here, and then I will go home and I will take a three-hour nap after this. You can do this too, okay? We are called to live a life of worship, and that means prioritize worship attendance, whether in person or if we can't be here in person, online. I also want to invite you to more than Sunday worship. I want to invite you to worship as a lifestyle. Because having worship throughout your week makes a huge difference. I have on my phone a playlist that has um, anthems from the choir that I love and pieces from our band that I love and then other music. And I listen to that worship music during the week when things get tough, when I feel discouraged, when I'm just not sure how to figure life out. I go and worship and have a moment of time. I remember one time I was driving in my car and I was singing along to worship songs and someone pulled in front of me and like was conducting like this. I guess I was very enthusiastic in my singing. We are in a time of transition in the church and you need to be in worship and you need to find ways to worship throughout the week so that God can strengthen you and help you live as a disciple. Second, a life of hospitality. Hospitality is, of course, about welcoming people. It's about noticing who's new. It's about noticing that um, maybe everyone doesn't feel they have a place at the table and, and going out of our way to do that. Uh, Jesus did that. It was really something that's really clear about his ministry. He welcomed the outsider. He welcomed the marginalized. He welcomed the newcomer. Now, did that make him popular? No, it did not. Because then and now, we are really much more comfortable with people like ourselves and with excluding people. Jesus calls us to hospitality, and the life of a disciple is about welcoming. So that means that on Sunday morning when you wake up and you would rather sleep in or go to brunch or whatever, think about that part of hospitality as a disciple is you show up not just for you, but you show up for other people to encourage them. On Sunday, look for those who you don't know and say hi to them, connect with them. And in your own life, in the midst of transition, if you're in a new neighborhood or you're dealing with a new boss or whatever's going on, be the person who bridges that with hospitality, with welcome. Okay, so number two. Number three, a life of opening to Jesus. A life of opening to Jesus is just basically this idea that we are called to have a rhythm of life that allows Jesus to be with us regularly so that our hearts might be open to the Spirit 
instead of our hearts being closed down. Now, in the midst of transition, it's really easy to fall into things just being a little more closed. We need a rhythm of life that helps us to be open to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. And how do we do this? Well, I mentioned how I do it, right? I do it with worship music. But you might choose prayer. You might choose Bible study. You might choose a walk in nature. You might choose your small group. Whatever it is that helps keep your heart soft and open to what God wants to do. I want to encourage you, if you're working on this one, to consider coming to our Wednesday dinner church groups. So this is here at the church. We have a meal together, and then there's some uh, time of teaching. It's a chance for you to meet people. It's a chance for you to connect. You don't have to go to all of them. We're doing um, all the Wednesdays starting this week for the next four weeks. But I invite you to come and to be part of that. And you can find out more um, after church. There's a table, and you can find out more about it there. So number four, a life of following Jesus. So we talk about this a lot here at this church, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I like to think of this through the context of the phrase we hear in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, because if Jesus Christ is Lord, that means that we look to him on how we should live our lives. It is the priority for us. So how does Jesus call us to live? Well, we've talked about that, but let me do it a little differently. I'm going to put it in three categories, ways that Jesus has called us to live. Jesus has called us to live in relationship with the divine when he has told us to love God, to worship and serve God only, to come and follow him and take up our cross, that Jesus is in the Father, that we are called to receive communion, and that we are to invite the Holy Spirit to live within us. Jesus also has taught us how to be in relationship with one another when he has said that we are to love one another, we are to forgive, we are to show mercy, we are to give to those who ask, and we are not to judge, we are to care for the poor and those in need, we are to honor one another, and we are to pray for our enemies. And then the last category, how are we to live ourselves? Jesus says that we are to be people who repent, people who work to not be afraid, those who know that they are encouraged to let their light shine, those who are aware that there are many times we have a log in our own eye, that we are called to be humble and to be like children and to have faith and to go and make disciples, to welcome, and to pray, and to serve. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Number five, disciples are to live a life of service. You know, we are called to live a life of service because that's what Jesus did. Jesus serves, and because he served, we are called to also be servants. We serve because God has given each of us gifts, gifts that we need to express, that we need to share with other people. When we serve, it says we're part of a whole, that we're part of a community of faith, and everybody's needed, and everybody's service is important and matters so much. 
Disciples are called to live a life of service. And then last, disciples live a life of generosity. I wonder if you've ever thought, why is it on Sunday mornings we have a time of generosity, a time where if you're in the room, we pass the plate, and if you're online, you see how to give online. We do that for the simple reason that generosity, giving, is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. So when I give financially, or when I give of my time, or when I give of my gifts, it says that I am using what I have been given in service of God and his community. And that when I do that, I'm saying that this is where I have put my focus and this is what matters. We are generous because we worship a generous God and because God wants us to be generous people. Okay, so... We are called to move from being more consumers into becoming more disciples. And we are called to do this because it matters a lot. Faith is not about what have you done for me lately. Instead, it is about how God has gifted and called us and loved us so that we might invite others to be part of his church and his kingdom all across the world. So today we've talked about two big things. The first is that discipleship grows us from being consumers to being followers of Jesus. And that discipleship is about worship and hospitality and opening to Jesus and following Jesus and service and generosity. So here's what I want to invite you to do in this transition. Okay, it's my last ask of you. I don't know if Andy and Camille give homework. But I have found it helpful to me, and so that's why I have given you tasks at the end of worship. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. I invite you to see where you are today. See how much of you is on that discipleship path and how much of you is is still waiting and prioritizing your own needs. And then I want to invite you to grow as a disciple, to grow in worship or hospitality or opening to Jesus, following Jesus, service and generosity. I want you to pick one. You want to take a next step in in this next six months. Now, why do I ask you to do this? Two reasons. One, it will grow you. It will grow you as a disciple because you will come face to face with your own stuff, you know, with your own, let's say you pick that you want to be more a life of hospitality and you decide on Sunday mornings you're going to look around for see who's newer that you don't know. That could probably push you outside your comfort zone. It could be difficult. But if that's where you go, that will grow you as a person. So the first reason is I want you to grow as a disciple. And the second reason is for this church to move into what's next, it will take all of you taking a next step in your discipleship journey. Pastors come and go, as you may have noticed. (laughs) You are the church. And your discipleship and your growth 
is what enables this church to continue to move forward and to be a word of love and light in this community. Yes, Andy and Camille will come and lead you, and you will lead them as well. It will be an opportunity for you all to take next steps, but we will take next steps as we grow as disciples. So, do you see the one you want to pick? Pick it now. I can read all your minds, so pick it now. Come on. I want you to pick one, and I want you to live into that in these next six months. It's really important. Your faith development is really important. Now, I love you, and I know that you will continue to grow and flourish as a congregation. And you will do so when you hold on to the most important things, love and vision, transformation and discipleship. To God be the glory. Let us pray.